Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 5, Episode 3, It Means Red. The book, Red Harvest, by Joe Schneider. The year, 2012. Chapters 8 through 11. We're going to say 8 through 10 during the episode, but it's 8 through 11. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go. Give me a big old teased hair, Darth. I feel like he might be a little on the anime side. He's a little anime. Let me ask you a question, John. How you doing? No, we're not doing that bidding. It's so real weird, but I'm still teabagging him. Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Ooh, Star Baby, <laughs> the Star Wars Expanded Universe Novel Ooh, Discussion Podcast, baby. featuring me, Jeff, your host, and also someone over here who can only say "Oh, baby." Ooh, baby! <laughs> Increasingly high pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh baby oh this is pretty great i love this this, <laughs> this is gonna, gonna make the real show bad. real easy for me <laughs> i finally get the spotlight by the time you're just squeaking over there oh yeah well i mean eventually it's gonna get so high pitched that only dogs will hear it mm-hmm. you'll be listening to this podcast and your dog will just be going nuts i mean normally they do anyway because of my sweet sexy voice to dogs <laughs> to dogs <laughs> That's what I put on my resume. I've got a sweet, sexy voice to dogs. Please hire me. <laughs> well, this is the dog 1900 number, so I guess you're hired. <laughs> Please have your credit card ready. This is going to get rough. Uh, <laughs> don't let the puns fool you. This is hardcore sex for dogs. 1900 Red Rocket. Ew. <laughs> we'll take care of your weird little dick. <laughs> we'll take care of your weird little dick is honestly one of the best lines that should be for some business somebody some business out there has got to have we'll take care of your weird little dick on it i feel like it'd be a pretty good like aggressive anthem album for like pink or ariana grande or something (laughs) we'll take care of your weird little dick yeah that'd be fine all right so uh (laughs) God damn it. Welcome to Expounded Universe. This week, we're going to be talking more about Red Harvest by one Joe Schreiber. I think last week I accidentally called him John Schreiber. You may have. I don't care, though. Anyway, Joe Schreiber from 2012. This is some fun times, very short chapters, interesting book. We're doing chapters 8 through 10 today. Today. And uh, before we get into it, day. Uh, like I always do, I like to check in with my uh, with my co-host John and, and just ask him, uh, "Hey, John, how you doing?" Oh, I uh, you know I, I've been getting more into the depressive swing, so oh, no, harder to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, is this gonna be one of those things where I'm gonna like call you to do an episode, you just won't respond at all? <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do I? Do, okay. Well, let me. While you're still lucid, can I, do I have permission to come over to your house and just yell at you? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, good. I mean, okay. if it's during the day, go ahead. All right. Like I usually leave my window open, so mm-hmm. you can just come by and be like, "John, get out of bed." I'll be like, "I don't want to," <laughs> and I'll be like, "I've got a bag of mini marshmallows." Oh, and then I'll just crawl out. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I- I'm glad that we've got. This is important to have this conversation before it happens because between your depression and my crippling anxiety, oh yeah, it, it can get pretty. It can get pretty you'll, rough. You'll send a message and I won't respond because I can't, and then you'll be like, "He's not responding because he hates me." Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> he's quit the show and moved. Oh no, he's in Mexico. <laughs> We're actually really close to there. That doesn't change things that much. He's probably there for a day trip. <laughs> he's probably picking up cheaper antidepressants there. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this week we're going to be starting our conversation 
on the planet, Geonosis. Geonosis? That's kind of fun. Geonosis is a planet that people have actually seen before. I know. Yeah. I didn't know it at the time. I was like, fuck, why do I know the name Geonosis? Yeah, it's because you've rightly blocked Star Wars The Clone Wars out of your head. Yeah, indeed I have. Uh, or whatever that middle one's called. Attack of the Clones, I think. Yeah, Attack, Attack of, of the Clones. The Clone Wars is the show. Yeah. The TV. So Star Wars Attack of the Clones is, uh, in, the in a large part of the center of it is set on the planet Geonosis. It's where the Geonosians are from, the weird little bug dudes with bug beards. The Bugmans. Yeah. So, uh, although in this case there are no bug people to be found. No. All this we're is, doing, though, is dealing with a bureaucrat yeah, guy. A, a fellow by the name of Lieutenant Norch. Oh, Norch. I mean, I'm going to say... Normally, Star Wars names absolute fucking garbage, like top to bottom. Oh, yeah. But having a, like, stuffy bureaucrat uh, military guy be, be named Lieutenant Norch, I was like, that's perfect. No, it's absolutely perfect. It's the kind of shit you'd see in, like, the the heavy metal movie. Oh, yeah. Like, some alien is just, like, all imperious and stuffy, and he's like, mm, yes, I'm Lieutenant Norch. Yeah, it's mm. great. I love it. I Break. love Norch. Yeah. Bagwell, he'd say really mad because Bagwell did something wrong. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it's weird, right? Why would Bagwell do anything wrong? Because Bagwell is a rebel who plays by his own rules, not <laughs> not anyone else's. <laughs> Just his own rules. And he doesn't even play by those. He doesn't play by any rules except his own. And his own rules he doesn't have. <laughs> his own rules are there aren't any rules. He's got one rule, and that rule is don't follow rules, <laughs> except this one. <laughs> I've only got one rule, and it is. See rule number three. <laughs> Uh, so Lieutenant Norch is kind of a stuffed shirt sort of person. Yeah. Uh, he's a little imperious. He's a little uh, nebbish. He's a little annoying. And he is bothering the star of this chapter, our first like actual badass uh, hero type Jedi, the Jedi you remember, the kind well, of Jedi that Pepperidge Farm remembers. The Jedi that really takes you back mm -hmm. <laughs> to the good old days when there were a lot more lynching. You know what? Screw this. Jedi are great now. Jedi. Great. Yeah. So this is Rojo Trace. Yeah. Now, we had established before we started this that Jeff was uh, going to call him Rojo as well. And it was one of the questions I was going to have before uh, we had started recording was, are you saying his name Rojo or Rojo? Yeah. Because, you know, I don't feel like we've ever gotten any sort of like Spanish latin influence on names in star wars uh not until well even then we don't get name influence uh we we got our first latin or like a latino or actor yes uh in in diego luna who played cassian andor uh which cassian andor has absolutely no uh you know language inflection to it but these two characters are named hestizo and rojo i feel like there's no getting around it yeah and I mean, it's very possible that he could have been like, nah, this dude's name is Rojo. That sounds like some some definite, definite shit that would happen in Star Wars. Rojo sounds like the name of a minor league baseball player in the 70s. I'm passing on that shit. Rojo sounds like it's a euphemism for some kind of sex thing. Or a drug. Give me that Rojo. Yeah, you're 20 bucks worth of Rojo. We can get Rojo in a Soho bag. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's... But Rojo, Rojo's rad. And I'll be honest. Well, like, no, Rojo isn't rad. It's red. <laughs> yes, it is. Full disclosure, my first dog growing up was an Irish setter named Rojo. Uh, and so I see that word and I cannot pronounce it as Rojo. Well, it's that's just, weird. My first dog was Chacha, short for Muchacha. Mm-hmm. 
that's so, uh, that's, that's cute. I, I mean, I wish I could say that it's it's a cute connection between the two of us because I know from my parents that the Rojo that we had as a dog was that's the German word Rojo. They were saying. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh well. I I I like to think of it as Spanish because it's so simple. Yeah. Uh, but that would especially because our other dog was Nutmeg because she was also brown. Huh? Both of their names just to be like red and brown was the idea. Good. Uh, but yeah, Rojo was a rad Irish setter that I that I grew up with. That's rad. Yeah. So when I see the word, I automatically go, "Oh, Rojo, red." Yeah, that's yeah. So so, but honestly, I like these names better if they're spoken with a little bit of Latin inflection to them. Uh, yeah. Hestizo and, and Rojo both sound better than than you know Hestizo and Rojo. <laughs> the the problem is they don't commit to that because in this we get a description of Rojo mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, I, he's a tall, handsome man with brown hair and an unremarkable complexion. I'm like, what does that mean exactly that it's unremarkable? It means that it goes unremarked upon. <laughs> I shall not remark upon it. <laughs> I shall remark this far and no farther. <laughs> Nay, I shan't. <laughs> it says that he has like a a strong jawline that it would be handsome if you ever noticed him, but people don't notice him because yeah. he's so unremarkable. It's like, oh, he's so handsome. He's got these piercing green eyes and a strong jawline, but no one notices because he's unremarkable. And I'm like, that's not how that works. I feel like they start they they started ramping up for this dude to be hot, and then decided, oh wait, let's not make him super hot. Oh, hold on. <laughs> the whole point of him is su- supposed to be that he's like. Oh, I'm just a workaday business Jedi, and I'm here to I'm here to do my job. Yeah, just let him be hot. I, you know, I was yeah. I already had people in mind who I was picturing when I was thinking of this guy. Uh, so it's fine though. Yeah, it was you and McGregor, oddly. Enough. Weirdly enough, it was you and McGregor with a bunch of racist crap all over him. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> it's just the way my brain works. I didn't bring it to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain? I know. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you piece of shit. Hey, so blame you and McGregor. I didn't do it. That's right. Let's <laughs> all blame you and McGregor. Take that Serape off, you and McGregor. You haven't earned that Serape. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, he has. Uh, he, yeah, I forgot. He, he, he worked for it. <laughs> it's, a, it's an award for acting. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is the screen actor's Serape. <laughs> the sass, they call it. <laughs> Don't you sass me. <laughs> so, uh... Anyway, Rojo Trace is here uh, basically tolerating Captain Norch for the moment. Uh, there is a huge... The, the chapter is actually called, like, Polytarp, and there's a huge, like, half-mile circle of tarp flapping in the Geonosian wind out here in, the, in, in some canyon land they've landed in. Yep. Um, because, and under it is something that they're trying to keep a secret for the moment, but Rojo clearly already knows what's up. A, uh, a Sith ship has crashed here. Crashed here. Indeed. And yeah. not just, like... Oh, there's some wreckage. It has like bored into the crust of this planet. Yeah, it's way down deep. It's also really fun to say Sith ship. Yeah, this Sith ship. Yeah, has it's the, crashed. It's the sixth six Sheik's Sith ship. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. Uh, so it's way bored down into the planet, and Rojo has been called out here to investigate it. And it appears as though Rojo Trace might have some special skills. Yeah, apparently Rojo's basically got psychometry. Yeah, he's got like dead reading. He can like read dead bodies to learn secrets about their previous lives. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And this guy is also just a regular, regular, degular Jedi. Like he's a got regular, degular Jedi. <laughs> oh, did we forget to mention he is of the degular species? <laughs> you know, from Degubah. You've never heard the expression regular, degular? It's an average to average expression. <laughs> 
you know, I know there's a word for what you are doing there. Like, there always is. <laughs> I don't know what that word dirt is. The word dirt. <laughs> oh, he's... He also has all the trappings of a Jedi that you're used to. You know, the robes, the lightsaber, the being able to jump around real high and stuff. <laughs> being able to jump around. All the trappings of a Jedi. All the most famous Jedi are really good at jumping. Uh, so, you know, Norch finally lets him under the fucking polyskin tent. Polyskin, thank you, yeah. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. And is like, now what do you make of this? And he's like, yeah, I've already seen this. He's like, yeah, I don't care. It's a big hole with a Sith ship at the bottom. Yeah, I got to... I'll I'll do something. But and they're kind of they're they're kind of blustering at each other a little bit, and it's fun. You know, uh, Norch is like, obviously we need to keep this secret, but what do you make of it? Well, it's a crashed crashed Sith ship. Obviously we know that already, but what do you make of the crashed Sith ship? Is this an attack? And he's like, why why would an attack be? Let's ram a ship into a planet. Like yeah, it, that feels dumb. So apparently it seems that Norch is uh, beholden to some secret knowledge that. The uh, alliance at this, or the republic at this time, is planning to use Geonosis as like a staging field in this part of space. Yeah, they haven't done it yet, but they've been like, "All right, we're going to set up some secret bases here." And also, Norch was apparently around for the sacking of Coruscant mm-hmm. uh, by the Sith Empire, which means he is super paranoid about the Sith Empire. Like, well, who wouldn't be? I mean, they're not exactly the sort of people that that don't wear their hearts on their sleeves. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely the Sith are going to be sitting around being like, we're fucking evil. Yeah, no, that, that's all they do. I mean, it's, it's basically on their motto. We'll kill each other for nothing. The Sith. <laughs> Unless we're killing you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, at, at this point, after the two of them bluster at each other for a little while, we get our third character in this scene. Ah, my favorite character. She's pretty scene. fantastic. So this is Captain Tekla Ansgar. Yeah, Captain Tekla Ansgar shows in basically to shut down Norch at one point because Norch is, he tells Norch, hey, you got to take your men and get the fuck off this planet. What Whatever this ship has done, it hit a pocket of like underground gas. Mm-hmm. And if this thing blows, it is going to blow huge and kill everyone here. Yeah, and of course he has to do it in kind of the brusque, I'm not going to explain everything way. So he's just like, Norch, here's what, Norch is like, what do you want from me? I want you to take your men and go. What, you want us to leave the, the tarp? No, I want you to leave the planet. Why? I don't need to explain that to you. And they just go on like that for a while until finally Tekla shows up and she's like, all right, Norch, get off the, pl- the fucking planet. Norch, if this dude says to get off the planet, just fucking go. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to win every little battle. And <laughs> then she walks up to our incredibly sexy but unremarkable Jedi and is like, hey, so uh, you down to fuck or what's going on here? <laughs> you a goer? You, hey, uh, hey, hey. Uh, you got some time? <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You want to uh, <laughs> take a moment to uh, get to know me? <laughs> Biblically? What do you What do you say? Uh, how long until this planet blows up? You want to uh, bang one out? <laughs> yeah. I just, <laughs> I absolutely love that she's like, Ah, uh, Norch, do what this man says. Anyway, how's your dick? So it turns out that she kind of has a uh, a Jedi thing. She's never really met a, a, a Jedi before, like even a Republic Jedi, which is weird in the MMO era where there were thousands of them. Oh, yeah, just all around. Yeah, uh, but she's just like, ooh, a Jedi. I've never really met a Jedi before. I've never gotten to know a Jedi before. <laughs> I've never gotten to rub one out on a Jedi before. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Sexual intercourse. <laughs> but Rojo's having none of it. He's busy. 
He's like, yeah, that's great. Anyway, I'm going to go jump down this hole. Bye. Well, he has a pretty great line on his way down. She's like, I've never really gotten to know a Jedi before. And he's like, and you won't today. And then he jumps in the hole. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> and fuck off. Yeah. So he jumps down this like 100 meter deep shaft, just playing to use Jedi powers at the bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I can tell why fucking uh, she was all, all up, up on in his, his Jedi. Because she's into unremarkable dudes. Well, also, you got that huge shaft right there. That's yeah. got to put you in the mood. Yeah, you see a huge shaft. I know that's something that you always go through. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every time. That's why you can't drive through small mining towns. Oh, also why I can't watch the movie Shaft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn right. <laughs> but I'm just talking about Shaft. Oh, I can dig that. <laughs> I can dig a Shaft. <laughs> Uh, that's also why the movie The Core just sets you off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's... Oh, yeah. I can't even watch that without just humping the air around me. <laughs> just, just gonna, just get... I'm just going to hump in this direction. <laughs> I'm just going to hump, let's say, Witter Shins. <laughs> you got to stay on the lee side of John or he'll hump you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So he jumps down this big old shaft and lands at the bottom. And sure enough, there's the crumbled wreckage of a Sith ship down there. And uh, there's something wrong. He's got weird senses coming out of every direction. Like, uh, he's first of all, he smells the gas, so he knows that he's got a limited amount of time. He's clomping around on the ship, kind of feeling blindly in the dark, when he does indeed encounter some goopy old bodies. Yeah. He's like, oh, oh no, goopy bodies. Well, guess I better put my hand in here and see what's going on. Although, I gotta say, this book's description mm-hmm. of the dead bodies, I was like, Motherfuck. Okay. Yeah, they're like spongy messes. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, and then some people got like boiled into their own suits, and a few people got thrown together into the crash such that their bodies are intertwined into one gooey mess. And you're like, fuck, dude. All right. I guess. I mean, it's because we're already up to what? It's chapter eight right now, and we ain't seen a zombie yet. Well, so no. he's, he's throwing, us a, throwing us a bone, basically, is what Joe Schneider is doing in this situation. <laughs> he's like, you guys need some gore for your gore book. Here's a little goo. Here's a. Here's a goo. Here <laughs> one go. here's one goo unit. Here, here. It's made up of several people. Yeah, it's a one goo unit. That's that's what G unit is short for. Famously. Goo unit. Yeah, it's goo. It's for, G unit is short for goo unit. It's, well, few people actually know that. <laughs> yeah, well, few people actually know that they have goo units. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, uh, so he feels around in there, starts kind of piecing together a story that something terrifying happened that scared these Sith into trying to escape something, but then. It's all interrupted when he gets a sudden flash of Jedi vision. Oh fuck! It seems he is under. Uh, he is aware now that his sister, far and away on the planet Marfa, is in danger. Indeed, he begins to get, uh, like psychic premonitions, and he's like, "Oh, I can, I can get visions of there's a a bloody spear and there's some sort of fetid nastiness on her face, some kind of real nasty." foot and she can't move but it's all she could do is smell the nasty foot this stinky foot oh and the safe word is foot stink <laughs> wait that's a terrible safe that's word a horrible i gotta get a, i gotta get a hold of her and tell her to change that safe word <laughs> i must reach across the galaxy and be like change your safe word sister <laughs> it's too related to the act you're participating in don't don't do don't make the same mistakes i did <laughs> Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> uh, no, but he can't tell that there's a whip hit involved, just some sort of big monster uh, with with nasty, stanky feet. Yeah, he's Would like, you like oh, to lick and can... smell his nasty, stanky feet? <laughs> all I know is 
that uh, something has overpowered my sister and caused her extreme terror and pain. Yeah, and, and fo- foot stink. And foot stink. <laughs> and uh, and so he. By the way, this also does confirm what's really obvious, of course, which is that Rojo Trace is Hestizo Trace's older brother. Indeed. Uh, so these two characters are brother and sister. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's like, oh shit, well, screw this then. I gotta go take care of this whole sister situation. God, <laughs> the, the, you might have thought that maybe Rojo Trace was instead Hestizo's father because we immediately get a, oh, well, while I'm oh, here. Oh God, yeah, the message. Yeah, he's, he, he, he sends has a, a force message out to the universe. Yeah, he, while he is connected to his sister here, he's like, okay, I can't tell who this being is. But I can sort of use the force to shift where I'm thinking at over to this being, and I'm going to send a force thought message to this person. Basically sends him a force text. That is like, hey, you uh, you seen that movie Taken? Yeah. That. What, what if that line from Taken? <laughs> what, if, what if I was in Taken? This is, that, this is our first major issue with a book being being written in the year 2012. Straight up, a quote from Taken is in this book. It's the, hey, you may not know me, but I have a certain set of skills line. You can bring my sister back to me and no harm will come to you. Mm-hmm. But if you choose not to do that, I will find you and I will make you pay. Yeah, it's that exact line. It's really obviously a Taken reference, which, good lord, why? Oh, yeah. We get another one later. And I was just like, Really? How much Taken is in this Come book? Come on, man. <laughs> Can at least be some movies that are like, you know, era appropriate with Taken as well. Spread it around a little bit. Spread it around a Maybe something bit. from Hostel. Uh, I don't know. I remember when Taken came out. I don't I don't know when Taken was out. It's like 28, 2008. Yeah, it was 28. It was in t- year 28, 28, 28. <laughs> it was in the year 28. Yeah. And there we were, Romans. Watching Taken. A young, growly dad, Liam Neeson. <laughs> a young, growly legionnaire. <laughs> Named Liamus Neeson. <laughs> ah, Liamus Neeson. <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, he sends the Taken message out to uh, the Whiphead, who we still don't have a name for at this point. Yep. And he's like, huh, of course, no response. Ugh. Which, like, duh, very few people have the ability to send force-powered text messages. So, you know, I guess that means you're not dealing with a f- Jedi or a Sith, then. Yeah, Great. so one of the most of the people. <laughs> yeah, one that, of way, most things. Way to narrow it down. Uh, That's like asking the wrong questions in a game of Guess Who. <laughs> Is it a guy? Can you see his face? <laughs> uh, does, uh, does he have two eyes? <laughs> Yes, I eliminated the eye patch guy. Yeah. Ah, one, slow and one steady. One at a time. <laughs> slow and steady wins guess who. <laughs> uh, yeah, the <laughs> fucking, the, uh, the whole thing transpires while this ship is, like, collapsing in on itself. Yeah, and he just and kind he's, of. He's being a badass about it because he's like, whatever, fucking, it can come crashing down. My sister is more important than me, like, walking as I do this. <laughs> So he basically throws up a shield around himself just thoughtlessly. Like, this guy's a really good Jedi is basically what you get from this story. Like, he's a he's a high-end Jedi. Oh, yeah. Because he's just like, ah, uh, shield, whatever. And then the, the tunnel starts collapsing on him, and he's like, whatever, the shield's there. Yeah, it just bounces off the shield, and he's like, eh. Yeah. So he's trying to figure out where to go, and then he just sort of floats up and out of the hole. So this guy's really good at Jedi stuff. Yeah, he is. 
He is definitely a Jedi badass. Yeah, and he gets to the top, and I believe that's the end. I don't remember if he even bothers to tell Norch or Tekla or whatever. No. He's just like, I'm leaving, screw this. No, the end of the chapter is him just like floating up yeah. out of the hole. And yeah. I gotta say, I even, even if he wasn't a super badass, I do like that these two have like interesting Jedi powers that are unique to them instead yeah. of just the standard like levitation and telepathy they're like oh i've got oh, like weird psychic bits i think that's something that they're trying to set up as an old republic thing where these there's so many jedi floating around that they get distinguished by their cool tricks that they can do yeah you're like oh look we've got a lot of jedi what makes you like an interesting jedi is what's your thing yeah. what do you do I like this way better than the the prequel eras of Jedi, where everyone dresses as the one Jedi did when he was pretending not to be a Jedi. <laughs> yeah, all the Jedi are like, man, we really got to get in on that uh, Tatooine fashion. Yeah, let's all wear sand-colored robes, because that's what you wear when you don't want people to know you're a Jedi. Oh, wait, no, it's when you do. Oh, oops-a-daisies. <laughs> so, yeah, he floats up out of there. And then we jump to Chapter 9. Ooh. And in Chapter 9, we're hanging out with, uh, we find out that they both have nicknames. And this is, instead of just Hestizo, we can also just call her Zoe. Yeah, because that is that is what Rojo thinks mm -hmm. when he finds out that she's in danger. Yeah. He's like, oh no, Zoe. Yeah, and of course she thinks of him as Ro. Yeah. Yeah, so that's cute. That's a fun thing that they call each other. Uh, but anyway, Hestizo wakes up uh, in pain and definitely strapped down in some capacity. And right in front of her, there's a skull with a sapphire in it. Yeah. There is what is essentially the trophy room of the Predator. <laughs> it's just the messy pre-trophy room of the Predator on 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 this whiphead ship. Yeah, because there's all sorts of like skulls and bones and whatnot, bubbling pots full of flesh uh, being melted off bones and stuff. Yeah, it's just oh, what do you do? I I want to have bone trophies, and so I I have them strung up all over this room. Yeah, so he basically. He's kind of a gross bounty hunter in terms of the Star Wars bounty hunters. His his whole deal appears to be that he he mostly goes for the kill, and then once he's killed them, he takes their body as a trophy and boils all the meat off it and displays them around his his ship. I will say one thing. I loved again the description of this. Yeah. This guy's very good at doing like there's some nastiness going on here descriptions, mm -hmm. which is good given that he's writing a horror book. Yeah, no, it's fantastic actually. But his uh the way he describes because it's just like leather straps that have like skulls on them going mm -hmm. across the room as it being like a gross skull abacus and i was like that's great i yeah. love the idea of that <laughs> the gross skull abacus yeah just being like oh yeah there's there are lines of leather and there are skulls in different groupings and you could basically just use this to count stuff yeah i like this because this isn't just another boba fett equivalent that you seem to see a lot of in, in uh Star Wars novels, just like, what's the bounty hunter? Oh, he's a dude with a coat of honor. He's somehow connected to the Mandalorians. and Yeah, he is a palette swap Boba Fett, and yeah. he is here to have honor and yet still be, I don't know, kind of untrustworthy, but not really, but kind of. He's got a name that's close enough to Boba Fett that you don't ask any questions. He's like, I'm Fupa Greg. <laughs> Fupa <laughs> Greg. Uh-huh. Fupa Greg. I'm Futa Nari. <laughs> <laughs> I don't rent this dick to the Empire for nothing. <laughs> okay, so uh, anyway, this dude, this whiphead dude has a very gross ship full of all kinds of gross artifacts. And uh, she's, Hestizo is kind of getting her bearings. She casts her, her mind around trying to spot the flower. And sure enough, the the, uh, the orchid's in there with her. Yeah. And the two of them have a quick discussion once she manages to get the orchid's brain back online. Well, yeah, apparently 
like starting contact with the orchid is difficult. It has a lot to do with its current location. Apparently, the fact that the orchid has been moved makes it very difficult for her to establish uh, communion with it again. Though I gotta say, this orchid has a fuck ton of information for a flower. Uh, well, it's also very force sensitive, but yeah, it is pretty impressive because she once she manages to get it online, it doesn't know where it is. So she she's just like, okay, we're on some we're in some kind of ship, and it's scary in here. And, and he's like, the orchid's like, yes, this is the ship of Tulk, the whiphead bounty hunter. He is aggressive and mean. <laughs> Thanks. So I guess I guess the the flower pulled that out of something Tulk's head, probably. I don't know. It just like the flower happens to have like all the info. Every time she's like, "Hey, orchid, what's going on with this?" Oh, I know about that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's a thing I know. Oh, I definitely know about that because that's a thing that flowers care about. Yeah. I also I do appreciate the description of the flower's voice in her head as being weirdly genderless. Yeah, it's a. A non-binary flower. Yeah, just... I like to think that most flowers are binary, and this one isn't. Yeah, this is this is a, this flower in particular, and then it goes unremarked upon throughout the course of the book for the most part. Well, yeah, because other than that, it's unremarkable. It's yes, yeah, <laughs> un- the flower has an unremarkable face. <laughs> this flower is super beautiful, but unremarkable. The other stamens, than that. though, those stamens, it's got those stamens go all the way up. Those stamens, those John stamens, <laughs> stamens. Uh, so the two of them have kind of a. A brief discussion, and we get yet another cool touch here that I really appreciate. Uh, as Hestizo looks around the room, she realizes that just having been in there has caused all the, like, the incidental plant life and moss and stuff that's developing and all these gross trophies to start growing. Yeah, because on the ship, this is, you know, not exactly a well-cleaned area. No, she's in a big room full of rotten bodies. Of course, there's like random Yeah, there's like and lichen and yeah. some uh, moss and stuff. Yeah. And just looking at it, she's like, oh yeah, things are starting to like grow and like seep out over cracks and things yeah because she has a passive effect <laughs> yeah she's like oh i passively make plants do stuff yeah that's that's pretty neat yeah. anyway eventually our our mighty whiphead tulk comes stomping into the room uh he doesn't really do much here he just sort of stomps around a bit and throws some skins at her yeah they are they <sighs> I won't say they crash land, but they have a rough landing on oh, planet. Yeah, that's to come in a second here. But first, she like he like throws her some skins, and he's oh, like, "No, here. that's afterwards." Is because it after? Okay, they're on the planet, and he has to give her the skins. Then yeah, they have they have a super rough skidding crash landing onto this planet that I, I guess is planned for. I don't know if he was like, "Oh, this is the thing I wanted to do," or I fucked up. I think he's just a bad pilot, and he just doesn't give a shit about his ship all that much. It's possible he could be this dude. But that's where he keeps all of his bones. Yeah, but this guy's like one step removed from just a wolf. This guy is one step beyond. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's got the sultry sounds <laughs> of madness. No, yeah, he he uh, <laughs> he uh. He comes stomping in after this really, really rough, crashy sort of landing and throws a big bundle of fur at her. And he's like, put this on. And he just stomps right back out. Yeah. And, you know, much as Zoe is trying to get any information out of this giant whippet, he's like, no, I'm good. I love that he will not talk to her. No. I mean, it's a, it, it's nice to see a bounty hunter that even if he is gross and murdery, he's pretty good at his job. Yeah. There's he's no not, point. He's not going to sit down and be like, all right, let me have a conversation with you about why I've grabbed you. It couldn't hurt for us to exchange words for a while. After all, you're merely my target. <laughs> would say any other Star Wars bounty hunter. But this guy's like, nah, why would I talk to you? He's like, here, 
You need to wear this. Yeah. Okay, but where are we? Ugh. I'm not Let's talking to you. Leave. Leave. Yeah, it's it's great. So she uh, looks over the furs he's thrown her. They appear freshly killed. Yeah, and she can still feel like the energy of the living beings that these used to belong to. Yeah. It is like putting on ghosts. <laughs> That's right. That's because this, epi- this chapter is called Strapping on Ghosts. Yep. She's like, oh, it's like I'm wearing ghosts. This mm-hmm. is real weird. Yeah. For someone that's super psychic sensitive, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. Because you you would have that feeling of like, ah, uh, this thing's like recent thought energy is still in it. Ew. It's like I've got a ghost strap on. Ew. And it's like I'm walking with a ghost. Strap on. <laughs> that's a great song. <laughs> walking with a ghost strap on. It's way better than the actual song. It's true. That might be my least favorite Tegan and Sarah song. I mean, and that's saying something because they're garbage. They're great, and that song is awful. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Closer is a fantastic song that Nine Inch Nails did. Uh, also, indeed. also a very good song that uh, Tegan and Sarah did. <laughs> good. <laughs> so, any, anyway, she eventually capitulates and puts on the outfit, mostly because he's poking a spear at her. Yeah. So she gets to hold the uh, the flower. And then he just sort of marches her to the exit to the ship. And again, she's very much like, I don't want to get off this ship until I know where we are, where we're going. And I'm, and he's just like, don't care. And we'll also, we've jumped to chapter 10 at this point, uh, because both chapters 9 and 10 stick with her. Yes. Uh, so for the first time, I think, that we get two chapters in a row of stuff happening in the same place. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, uh, he, march, he frog marches her to the, to the exit of the ship, and... Out in front of her is an endless vista of white snow and, and terrifying uh, cloudy skies with looming black giant shapes in the darkness, yeah. in the distance. She's like, oh, look at that mountain range. Oh, no, that's not a mountain range at all. Where am I? She's, she starts demanding from him. Mother and, of fuck. And then she's like, wait, Zyost? Are we on Zyost? And he's like, no, this isn't the MMO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I know you just quickly Googled Ice Planet and decided Hoth was too obvious. So, so, so you asked if it was Zyost, and I had to be like, no, it's not. Z- it's a new one. It's not one. For, but good job on you for Googling the Old Republic to come up with a thing. Good job on that's, that. That's though. well thought out. Seriously, though, I do. I appreciate the uh, the level that fucking this guy has put into his writing, like. There's a lot of little touches. Like, being able to have uh, a planet that isn't just Hoth being mentioned, and... I mean, like, on the ship I had mentioned before that he does a good job of describing what's going on, but there's Mm -hmm. a bunch of little bits that we didn't get to. There's, like, these beetles boring into flesh. The Boskai scarabs, which I think was the only other term that Tolk said. Oh, yeah. She was like, what the hell's going on? Like, and as he walks in, he just goes, Boskai scarabs. Because she's freaking out because she just backed into some. Yeah. It turns out this guy has his walls covered with, you know, carcasses that still have some meat on them. And he's got, like, flesh-eating beetles in there to, to clean that uh, clean off the bones before he boils them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically like he's got an entire setup of anything that would get rid of flesh, I'm going to keep in this room. So I've got, you know, flesh-eating beetles. I've got ways to boil it off. Mm-hmm. I've got, like, moss that will consume it and shit. And so... You get a very good sense of what's going on mm-hmm. just through the descriptions of what's being said, but you also, the way that he writes Tulk, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, it's not like he's doing it as just like, oh, this this guy would rather eat you than look at you or whatever. Be like, oh no, he's very calm and businesslike. Mm-hmm. It's just he very clearly wants to have trophies. Yeah, I mean, this guy kind of makes sense to me. We were talking about this in the last episode of why would any bounty hunter ever work for the Sith? Yeah, like because half like is not they'll just kill you. But the, this is the example of a of a bounty hunter that would one who's pretty sure he could probably take the Sith in a fight if he had to. Yeah, and one that's you know probably on the point that isn't like oh this is someone who really thinks about like who he's working for the life choices that he's making like. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's, he's a, a very more, simple person. He's a he's a little more like instinctual animal than he yeah. is like, ooh, I'm a cool Boba Fett bounty hunter, and I've got tricks and I do things. He's like, no, I just beat the shit out of my target and then take them wherever I'm going. Yeah, I feel like this is a guy who's actually going to end up being safe from Scabrus because Scabrus is going to be like, yes, when he comes in there. But he, but then he'll get a read on this dude, which is like, oh, you're not going to try and tell anyone where I am or anything. You don't give a shit. You don't give you don't give one shit. You're just going to move right on to the next trophy you're gonna try go, to get a skeleton you are gonna get as drunk as possible in between getting missions to go murder people yeah yeah so so uh this is pretty cool now they're standing at the at the deck of the uh, at the uh the deck of the ship looking out into the snow and she's like are we on zyost and he just sort of pokes her with a spear and this is more or less the moment where she's had enough being poked with a spear because she's like all right okay this is the deal you can kill me right here or you can explain where we are because otherwise i'm not going to keep going look you know that you have to have me alive and near this thing mm-hmm. in order for it to survive. Yeah, and you know that that thing is the only reason you're on the planet, so give me some information or we're done. Yeah, give me something or go fuck yourself. Yeah, so he's like, uh, stands there looking at it for a while, and finally he just goes, have you ever heard of Lord Scabrous? <laughs> and she has. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, fuck, I have heard of Lord Scabrous, and that dude is terrified. Have you ever Googled Ron Paul? <laughs> Let me ask you a quick question. Let me just one quick question before I frog march you into the uh, into the snow. How are you set for essential oils these days? You uh you all good for I don't know some some good vitamin supplements? <laughs> Cuz let me tell you, I have been partnering recently with Lifeways. I've got this drink that I think you would love. Mm -hmm. Super great. Cured my cancer. Yeah. I've had a terrible time trying to advertise it in the Facebook uh, comments about people's funerals, but I feel like just talking to you directly would work perfectly in this situation. (laughs) At least that's what my handler tells me. Mm -hmm. Look, how would you like to be in my downstream? (laughs) And then he pisses. (laughs) Piss. Piss. Why are we doing that? <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, he, he doesn't start pitching MLM schemes to her. Instead, he just kind of says, "Yeah, so we're on the planet Ocasar Fauston, and uh, yeah, we're and, gonna we're gonna you, go. You are here to be delivered to Lord Scabrous, and of course, this makes Hestizo fucking." flip her shit as far as like like, not down oh fuck i just realized that those aren't mountains those are just like uh temple towers they're sith buildings which are obviously huge black squares those are ridiculous spires and oh fuck me jesus you're gonna take me to one of the scarier darths one of the scariest darths there is yep he's only less scary than darth scary (laughs) on oh is that what happens when you uh (laughs) use the scare stone on an eevee <laughs> yeah that's correct you get the scary on uh it's the only pokemon that hates you 
that's not true. Scientifically. Uh, well, maybe most Pokemon hate you. I don't oh, know. most Pokemon hate me. That's true, yeah. It's because I don't want them to fight, and they love to fight. It's true. They were born to fight, and they want to fight. <laughs> they were born to fight. World is a fuck. <laughs> uh, has, in, what do you think Pokemon tastes like? I mean, I I would assume that depends on the Pokemon. You think they just taste like what they look like? Like, if you were to eat, like, the one, what's yeah. his name, Mudsdale or whatever, the one that's a Clydesdale <laughs> Pokemon? Mudsdale. That really just sounds like a dude. Like, I'm Tim Mudsdale. Mudsdale. No, I, I, I forget the guy's actually name, but the, the Clydesdale Pokemon is named something like Muddale or something like that, and it's a it's a big horse Pokemon. Well, yeah, like, it, if you were to eat whatever the, like, big bison Pokemon is, boof. I'm sure it would taste like a cow. Boof, boof, boofus? Yeah, boofus. That's it. Why do you just keep coming up with weird, like, backwoods people <laughs> names? <laughs> If Mudsdale and Boofus, we're running hooch. We're <laughs> floating a couple of Pokemon past you. You tell me what they think they they taste like. Uh, Delbert. <laughs> Crooktooth. <laughs> Gummy Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah. How about these, huh? Uh, I'm sorry. I can, only, <laughs> I can only think of Pokemon names in terms of people who are cooking meth right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if if I think of a Pokemon name, it's definitely also the name of some dude with a bathtub hooch system. <laughs> mullet. Yeah, that, his name is just Mullet. They call him Mullet. He hangs out with the dude who uh, weirdly just goes by sunglasses. <laughs> oh, and he, I, I guess he's a villain for Luke Cage? Yeah. Oh, so is, is that an actual thing? Oh, no, wait, you're uh, thinking that's Shades. Yeah. Shades isn't sunglasses. Shades isn't Quit sunglasses. acting like he is. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Although if there was sunglasses was a Pokemon, then you know Shades would be using that as his main. That's absolutely. Or he'd be mad about it. <laughs> so angry. That's copyright infringement. <laughs> he'd just be doing his best to get him to stop before they introduce Shades as like the diminutive child version of him. Shades. Shades. <laughs> no, st- stop it. I hate this. No, no, no. <laughs> sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Meth. Meth. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's Del- not a Pokemon. That's, that's just someone on the street. That's just Delbert. It's <laughs> Delbert walking around. <laughs> Meth. Meth. Go, Delbert. Meth. Get out of my 7 Eleven. <laughs> Go. Go. <laughs> Delbert, I choose you to get out of the 7 Eleven. <laughs> anyway. And off into the snow, indeed, they march. Yeah. So they are. Well, I think we end the chapter with them being at like the gates of the, the same Academy. tower, the same tower that that uh, that we've seen other people like stand around outside of and and sing "I Want" songs. <laughs> that was uh, Manaraat did that back in the day. He was like, "I want to be in that tower where definitely I won't be killed." Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he he's doing his own musical thing. Oh yeah, unrelated to the book. Every time we check in with Manarat, yeah, he's off doing a musical, usually about how you can spin around and round. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Okay. So, so this isn't enough books. So we're gonna do chapter eleven as well. Yeah. Fuck it. Next Me, chapter. N- n- why not? I've got a whole spare zombie Star Wars book. I've got in the wings. So if we, many books. If we need to cover more zombie Star Wars, we can we can rush this. I don't care. By God. But 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 by God, John, I will deliver an hour or as close to it as possible. Well, I mean, the next chapter is again one of those like four page chapters where you're like, okay, yeah. And honestly, it's just there. We check in with uh, Rojo again, and it is super duper one of those chapters where it's like. 
Let's show how badass this guy is some more. So Rojo has already made his way in a commandeered star yacht, which, yeah, is a great example to talk about how badass he is. He's like, he's commandeered a star yacht with a class one hyperdrive. It's, it, it's big enough to have eight people. He travels alone. You're like, thanks. <laughs> All right. Thank you, I Chapter. Ki- I kind of get it. Sure. I, I understand that this is a badass. On the flight there, he does sweet kata. <laughs> he has sweet karate moves. <laughs> he picture- He's basically just a bouncer, but he has a weird philosophy about it. <laughs> Space house. Ugh, fucking goddamn Liamis Neeson. <laughs> Liamis Neeson. Okay, uh, so... Yeah, he's made his way to Marfa, which is the planet that Hestizo started out on. Uh, so he's here to investigate what's happened to his sister. <laughs> Every time you say that, I just keep going, why did you say that name? <laughs> I'm sorry, my mother is also named Hestiza. Oh, I'm sorry, Martha. Marfa. 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 <laughs> why did you say that name? Well, it herf. <laughs> All right, so um, they're meeting with a just some random uh, dude who's, who's in charge of the... Uh, he is meeting with a random dude who's like... A local law enforcement still investigating the crime that has occurred here in the uh, Greenhouse Bay. Turns out, this is a fun b- bit of detail to learn about, Walbenus is still kicking around. Walbenus made it through. He you- he was impaled by a spear and left on a tree. Yeah. But he's in a fucking back-to-tank and will be up and ready in a day or two? Turns out you cannot keep a good Venus down. Oh, no. This Venus, uh, the blood left him. So he was a little limp for a while, but the Venus shall rise again. But you give it a you give it enough time, enough of a refractory period, mm-hmm. and that Venus is going to be up and ready, up and at him, as it turns out. <laughs> but he's not an important part of this story. We just get to find out very briefly that he did not die. Well, yeah, we just get a little bit where it's like, hey, uh, Venus is all right. <laughs> Venus is in the tank. Oh, that's real good. I was real worried about Venus. <laughs> that wall Venus. I was uh, I was real sad about that. Yeah, that was that was. Uh, I don't know why they turned it off. This is supposed to be a big old gore book where they kill everybody, but not Venus. Oh, no. Venus survives. Venus is the last girl of this book. <laughs> Venus is the Seth Green. <laughs> Venus is going to show up at the end of this book, kill all the zombies, and be like, you sh- never should have underestimated the power of Venus. <laughs> <laughs> never go up against a Venus. <laughs> when death is on the line. <laughs> uh, so that's not really why he's here, though. So Rojo, more or less... Ignores that, kind of go- does his psychometry thing in the room to establish that, oh my gosh, my sister was here and she was taken by a whiphead. The biggest whiphead I've ever seen. That motherfucker's huge. <laughs> he was able to conquer a man-sized Venus. <laughs> One man-sized Venus, please. <laughs> uh, so he sees Tolk, gets a sense of who this is, and then asks to see the security cameras from like the space dock part of the uh, the planet. And this is... Mostly his ability to deal with, uh, what's the name of the guy here? It's like Emmert or something? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's Roland Emmert. Roland Emmert. Uh, Emmert. Rick. <laughs> yeah. Roland Emmert Rick is his name. And uh, he is just so dismissive and an asshole to this oh, guy. Oh, completely. Most things that anyone says to him in this chapter, he just waves off. Waves off. Oh, yeah. The guy, the guy shows up and he's like, oh, yeah, well, uh, we're real sorry. We've got uh, some... Uh, information about, and he just like waves him quiet. Yeah, He's like, "Hey, shut the fuck up! I've got psychometry. Get the fuck out." Jedi working. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to the point where at the end of this, he's going to actually tell this random law enforcement dude, have my ship ready to go in five minutes. Yeah. Is it, 
<laughs> He'll be like, yeah, that's what I do. I'm an inspector, but I will definitely go get your ship ready. That's definitely my job mm-hmm. here yeah. on Greenhouse Planet. Good pick, sir. <laughs> well done. <laughs> but he sees the uh, the uh, information from when the ship came in. Apparently, mm-hmm. it had some manner of cloaking because they didn't pick it up on the sensors. Yeah, but then it just lands and turns off the cloaking device, so it's just hulking in the parking lot. Well, yeah, it's just... All right, well, it cloaked from the sensors, but it's not like invisible cloaking. It's just like scrambled the sensors, mm-hmm. but the fucking video camera can still see it. Yeah, so it's just sitting there. So he gets a look at it, and we get a description of how it seems like a very badass thing as well. The ship is misshapen and has, an, has a ma- malicious cant to it. Oh, yes, it is. it looks as though it has been put together from various pieces of other things, but that gives it a rough-hewn brutality. Yeah, <laughs> this is a brutalist spaceship. Yeah, it's a <laughs> brutalist spaceship. <laughs> He's like, yes, that's the kind of ship that you don't want to go near for fear of what's going on in it. As if this ship is just a van with free candy written on the side. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it may as well be. But to a homemade right-wing bumper stickers made out of like like uh, uh, masking tape just stuck all over it. <laughs> oh, no. This dude's really mad about the gold standard. I don't know what's going on with this guy. <laughs> This is, a, this is a rainbow of crazy political opinions. Like, I'm, I'm having a hard time putting together what this guy is like. The most I can figure out from looking at all these these uh, stickers is that he is very unpleasant to be around at Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just the worst person to have around. Stop trying to boil the flesh off that turkey. <laughs> <laughs> the flesh is merely a distraction. I, I want a, a turkey skeleton for my ship. I'm thankful for all these skulls. <laughs> That's that's what I should do at my Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> Let's all go sit around and say what we're thankful for. These skulls. <laughs> all these skulls. Uh, just hold up a, like a handful of little candy skulls. <laughs> Time to take off my shoes, torment grandma with my nasty feet, and watch the lions. Ah, oh, nasty feet. <laughs> that's, my, uh, that's my handle on FetLife. <laughs> nasty feet. I needed to let you know, my family, about my handle on FetLife. <laughs> Hulk, nasty feet, ninety-two, <laughs> the whiphead. Uh, so yeah, the the uh, the video shows that it's the Miro Kaw mm-hmm. is the name of his ship. Yeah, so we now know that he flies the Miro Kaw. Although I believe he said that himself earlier as well. Yeah, I think he said something about it at some yeah. point. Uh, so we knew Miro Kaw going in, but then uh, they're like, "Well, what about those call numbers? Can you pick up that that ship call number, registry number that's there?" and Emmert's like, no, we tried. We tried enhancing and, and zooming and enhancing, but it turns out that they're they're hard to read for some reason. Oh, yes, that's an old smuggler's trick. You uh, you smudge them just enough so that they're illegible, but still there. Is that really an old smuggler's trick? Just making the numbers hard to read? Yep. I guess. That's an if old smuggler's trick. Kind of a lame one overall. Ah, as far as smuggler's tricks go, smudging your identification numbers is... Uh, <laughs> Not one of the more tricky ones. Old smuggler's trick. Use a payphone to dial 1-800-COLLECT, and when it asks you what your name is, just give the whole message at that point. (laughs) Old smuggler's trick. Calgon. (laughs) Old smuggler's secret, huh? Old smuggler's trick. Use a Glade candle and tell everyone it's from France. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. The other thing he sees is... Some weird discoloration on the ship. Mm-hmm. There's a spot that's kind of green and smoky and weird looking on the ship, like like unusual colored scoring. Yeah, I mean, basically, like, 
in iridescence, like mm-hmm. as if it had just been poured oil over it. Yeah, as if it flew through a bunch of rainbows. <laughs> yeah. As if it was just taking a trip through Rainbow Gumdrop Lane. <laughs> it's like it's it's like he was flying it here from wherever and he just hit a cloud of Care Bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just sitting there with the wipers on trying to get the Care Bear off. <laughs> Oh, I gotta stop the place that has a hose and wipe wipe off all these Care Bears. Oh, oh, geez, I got the one with a rain cloud stuck in the grill. Get out of there! <laughs> it's gonna take me forever to wipe off all this iridescent goo. <laughs> uh, but it turns out that you know, while Emmert's like, "Oh yeah, that's some kind of carbon scoring or something," this is another chance for Rojo to show off his skills because he's like, "No, that's Thulean vapor residue." And there's only three places where. Thulean vapor would be around here that a ship would fly. Yeah, it's common in the core, but in the mid-rim, there's only like three places you'd find Thulean vapor residue. And I know that because I'm a badass. Now, you, random police officer who's the only person on this planet I'm aware of outside of Walbenus. It's just uh, Walbenus and this guy. (laughs) It's a very quiet planet. Have my ship ready in five minutes. I'll be departing. Uh, You want me to, like... Let the people at the shipyard know to get your ship ready? No, you do it. I want you to go there and do it. Um, I don't know that you have the authority to do that. And I do know that I lack the skill to prep a ship for takeoff. I've never left this planet. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a cop and you're, I mean, I, I don't know if a Jedi outranks me, but Obviously. you're also not here on official business, <laughs> so I think you're just here making demands like an asshole. Indeed. <laughs> That's my character arc. Putting I'm on an sun- asshole. Putting on sunglasses. You guessed right. Also, why do you need me to go prep your ship? What else are you doing here that you can't go prep your ship? And in what way is your ship not prepped? What did you do to it when you landed here? What okay. it, do you have a weird startup thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I need to warm up the engine for five minutes first before I take off, yeah. or else it's <laughs> going to just stall? Exactly five minutes, by the way. That's how much time he's, he does not want to waste here. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, I, I put up those sunshade things, you know, the visors you put in there so it doesn't heat up too much. Yeah. And I'm really bad at that kind of double half twist you have to do to put them That's away. That's why again. I ask other people yeah. to go prep my ship, because <laughs> I can't get those things put away properly. I always end up just throwing them onto the back seat unfolded like an idiot. Oh, God, it just makes me feel bad every time I see them. It infuriates me. <laughs> anyway. Anyhow, he, he realized, he's right, as it turns out. Sure enough, the nearest place that you could pick up any Thulean vapor residue is the nasty hut-owned uh, kind of factory planet of Quen. Yeah, and Quen is just a real just a piece of work. <laughs> I, no one likes Quen, as far as I'm aware. Aw. <laughs> I like Quen. Oh, you a fan of Quen? Yeah. Okay. I like Spider Quen. <laughs> But Quen is a planet that's just all cantinas and gambling bars and... Dirty factory nonsense. Yeah. And Thulean vapor residue. It is very much a hut planet. Yeah, it's a big old hut planet. And uh, basically, Rojo shows up there and then spends a good... The better part of about 24 hours wandering the planet and buying drinks for, like, random spacers and smugglers and shit. Luckily, he's so unremarkable in appearance that this is the kind of thing he can do without people being like, you're a Jedi, ain't yeah. you? It's not like he walks up in full Jedi robes and is like, let me buy you a drink. And they're like, uh, no, Jedi, no. <laughs> I'm a wanted man. 
Ugh. So he's doing the other one now. Uh, no, okay. He, he's on the other side of it now. He's a different part of the conversation. <laughs> You'll be dead. <laughs> so yeah, he's wandering around buying random space- spacers drinks, and every time he's like, let me buy you a drink and ask you some questions. And they're like, you're a Jedi, ain't you? Delbert, Gummy Joe, get in here. Math. <laughs> Math. <laughs> Let's bring Mullet out. <laughs> No, eventually, after buying his way through a bunch of like rounds of drinks and listening to a bunch of shitty stories, he finally comes upon a single dude who does remember Tulk passing through. Yeah, it's a one-armed bothan. A one-armed bothan named... Uh, oh, I didn't write it down. Dinkles. That's, uh, it's Gree. Gree the one-armed bothan. That's <laughs> I real. agree. It's, it's definitely Gree. Which is weird to me, because I would have figured like if he looked up Gree as a name, he would have realized that Gree are a big part of the Old Republic in the first place. You would have thought They're that. They're one of those like extra-dimensional alien threats. Yeah. So, but no. No. This is just one dude named Gree. Yeah. A one-armed Bothan. And, uh... I lost most of my life savings to the one-armed Bothan, let me tell you. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was the one-armed Bothan. <laughs> ah, sure. A one-armed Bothan. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> I don't care. I was doing the uh, the one-armed both and being a, uh, a gambling machine. No. But I appreciate your other joke. Yeah. Your different spin on it. I like that English. My spins. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I want to boost you up, sir. <laughs> I want to lift you up on eagle's wings. <laughs> Love lift you up where you belong. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> this is sort of neat. Uh, it turns out that Gree has indeed seen Tolk and that... One night, while Tolk was hanging around on planet getting ready for his mission, he got so drunk that he was actually willing to talk about what was going on. Yeah, because Tolk, normally, mm-hmm. not a talkative dude. No, no. But he got so deep into the cups mm-hmm. that he was like, I'm going to get a flower. I have to go and get a flower. <laughs> also, any of you want to be foot stomped by a nasty Tom? <laughs> uh uh, oh, by the way, we also did get from Emmert a mention of what's going on with the Murakami orchid that makes it so special. It's uh, got so many midichlorians. It's got so many midichlorians. The word shows up. Uh, yeah, I had almost forgotten that he had mentioned fucking, oh, in order to really take advantage of this orchid, you need someone with just as many midichlorians. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, that's that's why Hestizo is so good at talking to the flower. It turns out that they roughly have the same midichlorian count. Yep. Just a lot of midichlorians. We've never seen the word midichlorian before in any of the books because they're all from before the Clone Wars. And I would have figured that the ones that were set, like, you know, written a decade after the the, uh, the prequels would also have ditched that word. But here we are. But here we are. Yeah. So it turns out that Tolk spilled the beans that he was going to be hunting a flower. Not just a flower for anyone either, but for Lord Scabrous. Oh, no. And that definitely troubles our good fucking hero, Rojo, who's like... Scabrous, eh? Ooh, I thought I hadn't heard that name in a long time. Too long. But definitely not long enough. Uh. Sunglasses, please. (laughs) Yeah, here you go. Sunglasses. (laughs) Shades. That's a dumb joke, and I'm happy we're doing it. It's a shitty joke for idiots, and I love it. That's so good. Uh, Yeah, so he resolves himself to visit Lord Scabrous, who is probably still holed up in his nasty tower on his nasty oh, tower his nasty tower full of foot fetish whip heads all the way out on Okasser Faustin. Yeah, I Odasser. I I think it's weird that this Bothan got all of that. Yeah. Like knew about Scabrus, mm-hmm. knew about Odasser Faustin mm-hmm. 
and everything else. I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. He's a Bothan. Bothans are really good at intelligence gathering. Apparently, That's even ones that are just like, I'm some dude who is here drinking. Mm-hmm. And luckily, their their intelligence gathering capability is not stored in the arm. <laughs> no, yeah, it's stored in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> That's also where their potency is. That's also where they store their piss. <laughs> That's real weird. <laughs> I, I don't do that. That must be a special thing to Bothans. Yeah. Just balls like two water balloons. Just pee is stored in the balls. Everyone yeah. knows that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's the end of this series. Uh, Rojo is getting ready to go uh, mount an assault on O'Dosser, Cosser, Faustin, Bauston. Which Regular I, degular. <laughs> I am... I am interested to see if he gets back up or if he's like, nope, I'm just a badass and I'm going to take on an entire Sith Academy. I assume so. I'm still kind of thinking he's going to go out like that one dude in The Shining that we're going to follow him he for like- He just runs into the <laughs> tower and then gets hacked in half by a lightsaber. I'm really hoping that's what happens. Just spend so many chapters with him being like, I'm the world's biggest badass. And then he just <laughs> walks through the door and dies. All like Kurt Russell style, just walks in by the hoary balls of- Darth Plagueis. <laughs> hey, I said it right. Hey, you did it. <laughs> and then he just gets knifed in the back, and that's the end of him. Knife! Yeah. So, uh, that's the end of this, these chapters. We did, uh, what was that, 8 through 11? That was pretty fun. Yeah. We'll see you in a week for yet more exciting Star Wars good times. So much exciting good time having. And if you can't wait that long, well, don't forget that we also have bonus content. We do have bonus content. Oddly enough, I don't know why. Because everyone has bonus content if they have a Patreon, John. Speaking of which, we have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash system mastery. Well, that's that's amazing, but how much would they need to give us in order to unlock that why, bonus content? Why, for a content? simple pledge, I'm glad you asked, but at a simple pledge of... <laughs> I am also glad you answered, <laughs> but for a simple pledge... <laughs> For a simple lemon pledge. Of- <laughs> I am glad that you are explaining. Thank you. Please continue. Do not mind me interrupting. Very good. For a simple pledge. For just a simple pledge, you two, merely- <laughs> you two will play at your birthday party. We guarantee they will unless they cancel. Yeah. So, for $2 or more, you can unlock our bonus content where we do a deep dive into the bowels of Wikipedia. And come back with horrible stories about dumb parts of Star Wars for each other and for you, the $2 having listener. Hell yeah. I guess more like the $2 had listener because at that point you've given us the $2. Well, I mean, they're having at the moment. They don't give us the dollars till the end of the month. I guess we're pitching to people who haven't pledged yet, so they are still $2 havers. Yeah, they still have them. We want them to be $2 hatters. (laughs) They want to be the haveless. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That have $2 knots. Yeah, exactly. If you would like to join our Patreon and become a recent owner, but no longer, of $2. If you want to know that you did have $2, but no longer. <laughs> then go to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at the $2 level or higher because there's more stuff to unlock. There certainly is. Yeah. It goes all the way up. <laughs> Those it's like these stamens. Go all the way to $2,000, which no one is at because you're not allowed to be at it unless you are... Uh, who is it? Ray Liotta. Thank you, Ray Liotta. I, I don't know why I like. Really... Hey, you blanked on your own bit. I did. Well, I do that all the time. That's true. You do blank on your own. Bits. I mean, I can literally listen to our show because I do not remember making it. <laughs> I, I enjoy. Like, oh, wow, oh wow, this wow. is great. These yeah. guys are hilarious. That Jeff guy sucks. <laughs> that Jeff guy's terrible. But that John, ooh, ooh, baby, he's going places. Ooh, he's got talent. <laughs> he's like the Pete Davidson of this show. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, the one who's incongruously famous, even though all he ever does on the show is, like, make fun of his own personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. That's you. That's your whole thing. That's my whole thing. That's your whole routine. That's my bit. So, support us at the $2 level or higher to unlock bonus Star Wars content. Otherwise, we'll see you in a week with more of the free stuff. <laughs> more of the free stuff. That's what this is. This is the free stuff. Yeah. This is this is the taste. <laughs> this is how we get you. Yeah, that's how they get you. This is like your very first death stick. Which, by the way, I'm Elan Sleazebagiano, and I'm offering you a free death stick. Math. <laughs> and some math. Math. <laughs> I wish I remember which one of them said that. Was that uh, Mullet? No, that was... Uh, oh, Delbert. 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 Delbert's the one who just says meth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Our, the Pokemon we've invented are great. It is. And uh, and I'm Elan Sleazebagiano and have a good week or whatever. Goodbye. Meth. Meth.